This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management. Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Wilsey. Well, good morning and welcome to the Smart Investing Show. I am Brent Wilsey and thank you for joining us this morning. I've been doing the Smart Investing Show here in San Diego. Gosh, I'm local radio for, I think, going on almost 28 years now. Uh, if you have investment questions or want a fundamental analysis of a stock you own or looking at buying, selling, or holding, please call in at 866 577 24 Again, that's 866-577-2473. And as always, it'll get you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. And if you're on Facebook Live, uh, you can also call in as well because we'll get your calls also. With me, as always, almost as always, is Chase. Good morning, Chase. How you doing? Morning. Good. Good to be here. I had to say as always because last week you weren't here. You're on vacation. I had to do a whole thing myself last week. I know. I, I missed out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, and I was actually thinking, I, I was on to our, one of our assistants, Eladia, and I just realized it's uh, September, almost October, and I'm not taking one vacation day yet. I think I need to take some vacation. <laughs> I thought you took a vacation earlier this year, no? Well, I was supposed to. I was supposed to go uh, to um, Fiji, Fiji uh, in, I think, uh, March or April. I think it was April, and they got canceled, obviously. So I, I just realized uh, the other day, like, wait a minute, I've not gone anyplace, done anything, so I need to kind of... Yeah, Maybe you take some time off. Take some time off and, and let you do do a show. I'll, I'll, I'll be gone for a week, and I'm not sure why I'd even go. I don't want to go someplace. Actually, had some friends that went down to Cancun. They said it was great. They're at the resort, uh, no mask, and it was just like like the old days, they said. so. <laughs> Sounds like a good time. I think so. So, All right. Uh, well, let's talk about what's going on in the investment world. Uh, some, some big things happened. Uh, also, too, we do want to start off talking about the small investors because this is something that is really – moving the market. And small investors are, I think, uh, way over the head now accounting for a large part of options trading. And I don't think they realize uh, how how difficult and how risky option trading can be. But uh, mid-July trades for 10 contracts or lower account for more than 60% of opening call contracts. Now, record volume was set in August for 18.4 million contracts a day has climbed even higher in the first week of September. And and the reason I, I want to kind of pull this apart a little bit is because people don't know what option trading means. So yeah, the reason the reason that is so important, the 10 contracts or lower, is that's how you can tell it, it's small investors. If you're seeing, you know, institutions going, they're not going to buy 10 mm -hmm. contracts at a time for options. So that's where we're kind of seeing some indicators of, wow, this is people that may have no idea what they're doing in terms of the option. Oh, my, my buddy made all this money in options trading and he did this. So now I'm going to do this. You don't know what you're doing. It, it's a huge risk. And we can talk a little bit more about it, but that's how we can tell there there are some serious problems with smaller investors getting involved in options. Right. And, and Chase had a, a great dinner last night at my house with uh, this couple and they're both in the industry. And, and the one gentleman, he's actually a licensed financial advisor and so forth. And I, 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 he's like 32, 33. He's been in the industry for, I'm going to say, five to 10 years. And he goes, I know about options, but I don't understand them. And that's a smart guy because he, he knows about them, but doesn't understand how they work. 
where a lot of these younger traders and these new traders, they're not smart enough to realize they don't know what they're playing with. They're playing with fire and they're going to get burnt and not realize how much they could lose doing that. Yeah. And I, I mean, the thing is, we, we know about options as well. We just think they're too risky. Yeah. And, and we understand that. The problem is a lot of people think they're safe. And, you know, I, I will say there are safer options. I mean, if you're doing <laughs> naked options, right. that is where you could just get demolished. Right. I mean, at least with a covered call, you, you do have the security and it, it, it's, I'll say safer. Right. But when you start getting into those naked options, oh my gosh, you, you could really get into a world of hurt. Yeah. And you said something, you didn't realize what you said, but there's safer options with options. It <laughs> <laughs> actually is. Um, and as I said, in September, they did rise to 23.8 million per day. And again, 60%. Another thing that's true with, with options is that they're less than two weeks away from expiration, which really makes these a big gamble. And again, and I think we do need, I think you're right, to explain more about options. I have used covered calls. I've used puts. I've used different things in the past. And and you're so right. You know, I use the word naked. Now people say, well, what does that mean? You, you trade, you're at home, you're not having clothes on? <laughs> no, that doesn't mean that at all. Well, what it means is that you don't have the position covered. So if you do a covered option, well, you own the position. So if the option moves against you, you don't lose everything. You've got that position there and it can be taken away from you. But if it's a naked option, which means you do not own it, what that means is that, okay, now you it's moved against you, you have to go into the market and buy whatever price it is. And if it was a call, make sure I get this right, if it was a call, what you have to do is, and, and it went way up, you have to buy at a higher price to get that option to sell it. So you're gonna lose a lot of money. Also too, if the option expires worthless, everything you've put in an option is now gone. So like with a stock, if you buy, we'll just pick on Wells Fargo, buy Wells Fargo at uh, $26. It goes down to 20. You're not happy because you've lost what? 25%. But if you had an option on that to play off of that and it expires worthless, you lost every dollar that you invested on that option. Yeah. I mean, it's every dollar. Every know, dollar. That's a hundred percent loss. That's not a good spot to be in. And and that's where I think people are going to get burned is they, they might make a little bit of money right now and, oh, I'm doing so great. And all of a sudden things flip and you get into, you know, one bad option and mm -hmm. two bad options and three bad options. Now all of a sudden, wow, this is gambling. Yeah. And that's what this is. And you talked about the short term time frame of people. I mean, if you're looking at options further down the road, they're, I don't want to say they're less risky, but they are actually. I right. mean, but if you're doing two weeks, that is pure speculation. That That is the concern we're seeing here is it's creating, number one, a lot more volatility, I think, in the market. And number two, I think there's going to be a lot of people where they're going to get burned quite badly on these short-term options. Right. And also, too, I, I said a lot of them are two weeks away from expiration. There is, uh, they're also called leaps, which is an option that goes for up to a year or more uh, is what leaps are. So that's a little bit safer. But still, in all, it's still an option. You don't own anything. It's just an option to buy or sell at a future price. And if you're right, you're going to make multiple uh, of your investment because it, you controlled a lot of money with a small amount. But if you're wrong, you can lose 100%. As you said, if you're wrong two, three, four times, you've just maybe lost 40% of your portfolio, depending on how you're investing it, and you keep losing, 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 uh, you're not going to get ahead. Whereas, again, if you actually own that equity position, you do the research like we do, it's a good company and so forth, yes, it may go down 20%, 30%. You're not happy with that, but you still own the business, and that business can turn around. Uh, and maybe it takes a year or two, but you won't lose your money. But the option expires Sorry, expired too soon. You lost everything there. 
Yeah. And I, I mean, the, the big thing that we're seeing here too is, you know, you point out smaller investors that, that we hear is, oh, it's so easy to make money in options. Mm-hmm. And that is just a <clears throat> terrifying sounding call, I guess I'll say. Right. Is it, oh, <laughs> oh, it's not easy. You know, options are a dangerous ball game. And oh, it's so easy. Anytime it's so easy, I always tell people, it's, you know, oh, if something's so easy, why isn't everyone doing it and why isn't everyone a billionaire? Right. You know, you don't have the secret sauce to all of a sudden get rich quick. There's no secret formula to get rich quick. That That's just not out there. And people yeah. think they can find that in options. And it's just not the case. And, and the other thing, too, that like investors, when they, they buy call options, the sellers who are generally professional, you know, hedging their exposure by investing in the underlying stock. And if the stock moves higher, they will adjust their hedge by buying more stock. However... On the other side, when the stock declines, the pros begin selling off that stock. And this is what's creating all this volatility because they're covering and so forth. So actually the trades have to be done. That's why the stock you're seeing move so so much is because they're being covered by the smart guys, the guys who are actually selling those options. And this is why Wall Street always makes money and the small investor eventually loses things. Say, oh, it's a rigged game. It is not a rigged game. It's just a game that you don't know the rules to and if you don't know those rules, like any game, can you imagine playing football? And you know the rules? You'd be like a darn idiot out there running around getting tackled and everything I was going to say, you run the other way, think you score a touchdown, you get a safety. I, I, I didn't know the rules. <laughs> it's the same exactly. thing. You know, it's not a rigged game. you got to know the rules before right. you play. And also, too, you can't learn the rules of investing in one or two weeks. I mean, you know, I, w- I went to school. I got an accounting degree, master's degree. You, you do the same thing. It takes a long time to really understand finance and investing. You cannot learn it in a week or two and think, yeah, I'm, I'm Joe Investment now. I really know everything. And the other thing too, Chase, with this, it is not a part-time job. You can't do it for like two hours a week. Like, yeah, okay, I got it. Now I'm good. No, it is a full-time job. And the more complex you get with trading with options, you really have to understand. And I, and I do remember another thing we'll talk about is shorting, which I'm kind of getting off a little bit, but shorting. I read this book on shorting. And, and you need so much accounting to understand when to short, which is another, we'll say another form of an option because it's not really actually owning something. Um, it's another Wall Street tool is what I'll call yeah, it. Wall Street tool is better, better uh, an analogy for it. Um, but it's just something that people, again, they don't understand. There's, and this is why, again, Wall Street has all these tools to really trick the novice investor into gambling, generating commissions, and then they lose money and Wall Street, yeah, Wall Street walks away with money. It's not Wall Street's fault, by the way. Yeah, no, it, it's not. They're, they're, they're sticking to the rules of the game. It's not like they're, they're not telling anybody the rules. Everybody knows the rules. Well, that's not true. Everybody does know the rules, right. but those people that choose not to learn the rules are the ones that get burned. <laughs> yep. And, you know, you talk about shorting. You said you read a book on shorting. Mm-hmm. It's funny. A lot of times the people that make the most money when it comes to shorting and options are the people that do classes and write books on right. and options. <laughs> it's not the people actually doing it. And you always hear about, oh, you know, this person made so much money in the, the real estate bubble and they shorted this. And there's going to be cases like that. But I personally will never short. And, you know, it's funny we were talking to Brendan before the show started, who's a producer, about Tesla. And I'm going to bring up Tesla, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's back there like, oh, gosh. <laughs> but the reason I bring it up is I will never short a stock. And the reason is you talk about an immense knowledge of, of accounting. If you looked at Tesla's books and you looked at their warranties, you looked at the numbers behind their accounting, there was a lot of questionable things in there. And it looked like a house of cards. And things should not have gotten as expensive as they did with Tesla. 
wow, I would have lost so much money if I shorted yeah. Tesla. And you never know how crazy things are going to be and for how long they're going to be that crazy. And the problem with shorting is you have an unlimited loss capability, essentially, because yeah. what happens is you're borrowing. You don't actually like own Tesla. You're shorting that position. So as that stock continues to climb, you need to put more money into it. You get margin calls. You need to put more money into it. And then all of a sudden you've put in, you know, 10 grand, 20 grand, 30 grand. It's going to crash here. I know it. Oh, went up another 100%. I got to put another 20 grand. Now you just keep putting more and more money out there and you keep losing more and more money. And then what happens is you run out of money. You got to cover your short. Now you've lost everything. I mean, it's just a terrible, terrible spot to be in. Yep, it, it really is. So, I mean, just be careful. And again, the, the worst thing I hear uh, from small investors is that it's so easy to make money trading options. That's a, a warning call right there. So you, you got to be careful of that. Let, let's talk about why the current market is so crazy and volatile, kind of tying into that. Uh, looking for a reason why the current market is so crazy and volatile? Well, back in 2009, retail investors accounted for 25% of stock trading. The other 75% was much more stable because it was institutional investors who generally have a much longer term horizon. But if you fast forward to today, it's going to be a different story. Yeah, I mean, you look at it now, 44% of the trading in stocks is being done by retail investors. So that's a that's a 19% increase. I mean, that that's pretty huge when you look at, at that that gain. And it, I mean, it is concerning. And it's almost a double. It's not a 19% increase on the, the actual numbers. Yeah. But looking at percentage-wise, it's probably up about 70%. Yeah, I mean, these investors too, I mean, they're much more inclined to buy and sell quickly. I mean, you especially talk about the gamblers. They, they haven't had their, their gambling fix. And hey, maybe this will <laughs> decline. I mean, we've got sports back now. Yes. So maybe we'll see some of the uh, the gamblers leave the stock market as they go back to sports gambling. But I mean, it is just a little concerning because I did a, a spot on Fox 5 this past weekend talking about how people right now, I think, just have completely unrealistic return expectations. And I think that's what's created this allure for a lot of new investors like, wow, you can make so much money in the stock market. My friend Billy, he's up 20, 30, 40. Gosh, my friend Joe, he's up 100%. And their return expectations, they need to come way down right. because they think all of a sudden you can make 100% in a year, no problem. That is not how investing works. And that's what I think is bringing in a lot of new investors is just the way to get rich quick. Yep. And that is not how investing works. And also, too, that's the same thing happened in the tech boom and bust was a lot of people didn't know what they were doing, but they made money. Um, and the problem also, too, is that that was now 20 years ago. Unless you're probably in your 40s, you probably don't remember much about that. Because if you're in your 30s, 20 years ago, you're 10 years old. I don't think most people at 10 years old were looking at investments in, 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 in the market. Yeah. And I mean, it reminds me so much. I, I can't tell people on air what you did back in, I think it was 1999. You had very strong returns. Yep. And this lady came to you and said, oh, that's not good enough. I could do, you know, 200% in a year. It's like, oh my gosh, right. no, you can't. <laughs> that is not sustainable. I mean, it's like I said, if everyone could do 100% every single year, wow, everyone would actually be a billionaire. I mean, think about how quickly your money would compound. Right. I mean, you're talking about going, 100,000 to 200,000 to 400,000, 800,000. 
wow, you went from 100,000 to 800,000 in just a few <laughs> short years. That makes no sense at all. I mean, people are crazy. They're crazy. And I, and I think I can say this without getting in trouble because we, uh, one thing we can't ever do with the SEC is, is talk about uh, our performance numbers. Well, I am going to say this because this was back in 1999. It, it's so far gone. I don't think the SEC will have a problem with it. But back in 1999, I remember this, this client uh, called me up. Uh, how are we doing? I said, well, last year we did 100% return. And I said, but don't expect that. Don't get used to that. That's an anomaly. Her reaction was, that's not very good. I can do better myself. <laughs> it's like, that's kind of what we're getting into now to where people think it's so easy. That's why you're seeing this volatility. And this is where, unfortunately, the small investor uh, does get burnt here. So let me open the phone lines here. I, I noticed we're, we're kind of talking more than we, we usually do, but, but let, let's, let's open the phone lines where we still got some other things to talk about. Uh, phone numbers, you want to call in for that unbiased, no strings attached, Formal opinion about what you want to talk about, give us a call at 866 577 2473. Again, that's 866 577 2473. Uh, Chase, anything else you want to comment on that, uh, on the small investor? No, I mean, again, you just got to realize you're eight, 10%. I mean, that's, that's really what you should be looking at. And, you know, don't think that this is going to last. And right. I think we went so far down. And then that's when people started to get interested in investing. And then we went so far up so quickly that just people, as you said, that had never been in the stock market, now they're in the stock market, they're used to this. Yep. And unfortunately, a lot of people also have very short-term memories. Yeah. So now they also think, oh yeah, no, that's what investing's like. Right. They forget about the tech boom and bust. And it, it you have to have realistic expectations if you're going to be successful in the long term, because if not... What happens is you start searching for those 100% gains. Yep. And those 100% gains turn 100% losses, and now you lose all your money. I mean, it, it's it's a very dangerous game that you, you start playing. And, and, and rather than investing, again, it comes back to gambling. And, and again, I've been doing this for 40 years. You've, you've now been with me for, what, about six or seven years. Uh, I mean, how many times have we seen somebody come in for a consultation and they, yeah, you know, I lost, uh, you know, 30, 40, 50% of my money in investing with Joe Smith and so forth. And, and, uh, and I'm waiting for the time because we, we, we do consultations. People come in, we, we have a presentation to go over. And, and at the end, we tell them that, yeah, we're looking for returns 8, 10% on average. I'm waiting for somebody to get up and say, that's not very good. I can do double that. Like, okay, we, we know we're in a different time frame. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we are talking 8 to 10% over the next probably 5 to 10 years, not the next 5 to 10 minutes. So dice. And I don't know why it just popped in my head, but I was thinking, I remember you telling me because we do the webinars, we do the workshops. During the tech boom, you did a workshop on Cisco and you talked about how just outrageously priced it was and people actually got up and left. left. That's not <laughs> embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, that's when you know we're having big problems. Yeah. And by the way, just let listeners know, uh, Cisco at the time was about $60 a share. Since that time frame, it has never seen $60 again <laughs> over 20 years ago. <laughs> So, all righty, phone numbers again, 866-577-2473. Some changes here. uh, The tech trade has been struggling lately, and I believe it's likely that will continue. There are just too many crazy valuations that make no sense at this time. Uh, One of the latest instances I saw was the major fintech payment companies have surpassed the value of the big banks. The collective market cap for Visa, MasterCard, Square, and PayPal was recently worth $1.0 $1.0 trillion, which is unbelievable compared to the banks. Yeah, I mean, and that's four companies. Mm-hmm. Compare those four companies to the six big banks. I'm talking J- JP Morgan Chase, 
Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Citigroup, Morgan Stanley, and Goldman Sachs, their collective market cap, $900 billion. So six very large companies right. compared to, I'd say, two very large companies and two high-growth companies is what I'll call Square and PayPal. And those four companies have a larger market cap than the six big banks? That makes no sense to me at all. And actually, the net income for the four companies, uh, the, the the fintech payment companies in 2019, was what 23 billion. Uh, this doesn't even come remotely close to the big banks. What, what was their net income for the big banks? 120.3 billion. <laughs> wow. So about five what, to six times. Five to six times. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yet the market cap is we'll say almost the same. Uh, a little bit more for that for those companies. So, and this is the craziness we go through. Yeah, and it's just, I mean, uh, you know, kind of we, we saw a headline on Barron's this morning, one of our, our favorite publications to read in the morning um, on That's Saturdays. Right. And Facebook will kind of show people because on Facebook they can actually see it. So it's Barron's Magazine and a uh, great magazine for investors. Yeah, but the, the headline is, you know, life after cash. So people are kind of looking towards these payment companies and I think that's one of the reasons that these payment companies have gotten such a big boost. COVID's been, wow, this is going to be great. And it, 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 it's just getting too far ahead of itself. Right. I, I think Visa and MasterCard are, are doing quite well. But there's also some issues on the other side of it that I see. I mean, you talk about a lot of merchants. Merchant fees are pretty high yeah. when it comes to these payment companies. They need to maybe start negotiating a little bit more. And, and the problem is they give, I've seen too, they give breaks to a lot of the larger players. And the smaller players, they get kind of wiped out, basically. Right. So it, it's there are some risks involved with these payment companies, and I don't think those are reflected. Everybody's, oh, no, we're moving to a cashless society. You need these <laughs> payment companies. And they just trade at these, again, lofty valuations. And you wouldn't think of Visa and MasterCard as a technology company, but they are. Yeah, yeah. And people are trading them like one as well. And they're just way, way too expensive. I think the big banks, five years down the road, if you're listening to the show right now, I think, hey, you're going to be a lot happier buying the big banks than buying Visa and MasterCard, Square, and PayPal. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, and people don't realize, like, oh, they're not going to crash and so forth. They may not crash. But what could happen is, that, I don't know what the price at, maybe, you know, we'll take a, a, a look at or, or some other, uh, you know, times. We'll, we'll, look, we'll look at Visa or MasterCard, see the uh, fundamentals on it. But my, my guess is what I'm trying to say is that if Visa is at $100 a share, five to six years from now, it could still be at $100 a share. So what will happen, and people don't understand this in investing, is that you're paying, we'll say, 30 times earnings now for that visa. Um, over time frame, five, six, seven years, the earnings will increase to bring it back to the norm. And the norm in the, in the market is well, between 12 and 17 times earnings. That's, that's the norm. So everything will come back to that one way or the other. Either the stock price will fall or it'll take time for the earnings to catch up to that overvalued company. Yeah. So, alrighty. So, trying to kind of keep you on and online here. What, what what's going on? Phone numbers again: eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. Again, that's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. Let's go out. Uh, go down to Chula Vista and speak with John. John, you're in the Smart Vegetable Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, good morning, guys. Um, my question is: What's your your thinking about big oil? Uh, I look at what's happened to Exxon and Chevron, for example, Exxon in particular, uh, which, like you know, if I recall, used to be the, the largest market cap in the world, uh, just getting crushed. And I, I can imagine in the short term, a lot of it is probably, you know, COVID related. But what are you guys thinking in the longer term, uh, you know, whether it's going to hold their dividends and, and whatnot? And thank you. 
Sure, sure. Well, well, let's talk about the oil industry in general, then we're going to talk about Exxon as well. Uh, I mean, the oil industry is still going to be here, I think, five years from now. And people don't realize that oil is not just used in cars. And also remember that right now, planes are not flying very much. Cruise lines, I think they just started maybe cruising. Maybe. Maybe, um, which is a big use of oil. But also, too, on top of that, oil is used in asphalt for roads, perfumes, chemicals, um, plastics, plastics. I mean, it's used in so many other things. It is not going to go away. What you have to do now is look at what that business is doing and their debt and so forth. Uh, did you want to look at Exxon Mobil, Chase? Is that what you're thinking? Um, I was, I had Chevron pulled up cause I like it better. <laughs> I know, I like it better. <laughs> well, and I, I like it better, but, but I think, uh, Exxon is more of a, a risk play and, and John didn't bring uh, both of those up. John, John you still online there with us? Yeah, I think I think John. Yeah, John left. Um, so, so let's see. You pull up Exxon. I pull up Exxon. You pull up Chevron. Uh, well, yeah. let's see if we have time. Maybe we'll we'll take we'll a quick both. look at both. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, let's take a look at a quick look here at Chevron. And, and again, we. Uh, it's funny you, you pull up Chevron now. I pulled up Exxon. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll go back to Chevron. All right. So we're we doing Chevron. Which one are we doing? Let's start with Chevron. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. So let's, let's let's go back to Chevron here. A little, little bit of technical problems here. <laughs> That's all right. So. Uh, so we are doing Chevron CVN is I think their symbol X X CVX okay yeah so um, so I'm going back to and also to let you know with with a Reuters uh, which is what we use for all our financial information uh, having some difficulty with them this morning so I'm going to try them again see if they can come up uh, and what we can't get is what's called the comparison page which is what we use all the time we can look at the financial statements and some other things for people. Uh, but let me see what comes up if I if I put in Chevron here. Um, and my 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 mouse is too short today. Uh, let's see. And it's hot in here too, Brendan. I'm I'm like in here sweating. It's like I'm working so hard. <laughs> okay, so let's see if the comparison works here or not. I don't know if you tried it. Uh, let's see. Chevron, come on, let's go here. Yes, and it is there. Okay, so Chevron, <laughs> we got fingers crossed. It came up. Didn't come up for you. Oh, no, I didn't you know. Okay, yeah. So, uh, okay, coming again is Chevron Corporation, symbol is CVX. No surprise here. They have no PE ratio. Uh, price to sales, 1.3. That's much more expensive than the in- industry at 0.33. Price to tangible book value is 1.3. Also much higher. And this shows, you know, how difficult the industry is. The industry for the for oil industry, 0.14, or 14 cents on the dollar is what you're paying for the average uh, oil company. Uh, on the tangible assets and price of cash flow is 6.4 versus 0.75. Now they show they're still paying their 6.6% dividend, but obviously there's no dividend payout ratio because of the fact that they have no earnings coming in. So they are actually using their cash to pay out this dividend, which is a difficult situation. They got to turn that around sooner or later. Uh, the revenue is down 25% year over year, industry down 24. Earnings per share fell year over year, the last 12 months by 161% versus 3.1 for the industry. And people have to keep in mind that some of this or most of this could be coming from write-offs, which are counting things that you have to understand. So it may not be as bad as it looks. That's why you look at the cash flow statement. Uh, the balance sheet looks very good for Chevron. 25 versus 50 for the industry. If you're going to be playing around in these higher risk companies that are not making money, you've got to understand the balance sheet. Return on equity is a negative six versus negative nine for the industry. Uh, net profit margin a negative 7.7 versus a negative 24.87. And then receivable turnover is 10 for Chevron, only 5.6 for the industry. Inventory turnover is 10 for Chevron, 32 for the industry, but Chevron also does have a refiner, 
which could make a little difference there. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing about Chevron is they're a little bit more balanced than, you know, a pure oil exploration Mm -hmm. company. Those Mm -hmm. scare the heck out of me right now because I don't know how long they can hold on, where Chevron, at least they have the oil as an input on the refining. So if they find cheap oil, they can use that to refine it and produce it in the gas. So they have a little bit more balance. They have the upstream and downstream type plays, which which gives them a little bit more <laughs> safety. Yep. But looking at the numbers here for Chevron, uh, current price is $78.21. Uh, looking at the 52-week range here, $51.60. Wow, that was the low. The high was still $125. So kind of in the middle there. And gosh, remember when it was at 50, uh, uh, we didn't really have cash at the time. We were looking at buying something else. We, yep. we, we did. But uh, gosh, at $50 a share, I, I, I would definitely be interested in Chevron, I think. With that said, however, looking forward, I'm going out to December 2021. I see the average, average estimate for earnings per share, $2.87. That would give us a target sell price of $46.49. But I will say this is a very interesting company to look at because I know with Chevron, they they have very good cash flow. Right. They're they're in a much better financial spot. Their balance sheet is very clean. If you look at the average estimate, yeah, two dollars and eighty seven cents. But you look at the range, the low estimate's one dollar and seven cents, and the high estimate, well, that's five dollars and eighteen cents. So they're all over the board here because they're not sure what this economic recovery is gonna look like. I do believe Chevron Five years down the road, we'll still be around. They're also still looking at, you know, different types of energy plays. I, I think they are one that can survive. At $78, myself personally, I, I wouldn't get involved at this price. But if it continues to fall, I, I might get more and more interested with it. Right. And also, too, I did notice uh, on their earnings, I, a year ago, they lost $0.06. Cents. So they are looking at going positive, which is going to be a big move for them. And also too, I remember, I think it was your memories, brother mine, I think two, three years ago, I remember buying Chevron around 75. I think we sold around 115 or something. I, yeah. I think it was a price. Uh, we like this company, but perhaps, I, I, I don't know, may go a little bit lower. What, what was the target sale price you came up with or you 16. didn't do that? What? Uh, sorry, 46. Oh, four, yeah. So, but I, And I, I, I want to correct you here. The average estimate for negative six cents, that's for this year. Oh, for the okay, yeah, because we last year, at, yeah, last yeah. year they made six dollars and twenty-seven cents, yeah. and I think that they'll get back to that range. And if they get back to about a six-dollar earnings per share range, yeah, I mean, you you take sixteen point two as the multiple. That's a that's a sell price of about one hundred and one dollars. Okay, so, so there there'd have to be a lot more research with this, and and you know this company is very interesting to me. And if it does fall more. I, I think I would put a little bit more research into it, but right now it's it's still it's still a huge risk in my opinion at these levels. Yeah, yeah. So and, and again, I mean, one or two things going to happen in about what four months from now, uh, we are going to have uh, a new number. So we're looking at December twenty twenty two, which will make a, a difference because then we can see perhaps earnings of maybe I don't know, I guess four or five dollars a share. Yeah, and I, I don't. I see we have a Paul and Escondido here. I did want to make one quick comment on Exxon. I don't think we're going to look at the full numbers. Correct me if I'm wrong there, but uh, yeah. just kind of one quick thing on Exxon. They, the reason I, I'm more concerned about Exxon than Chevron is with Exxon, I mean, gosh, they, they're cutting employee benefits, yeah. but they're still continuing to pay out that dividend. I don't know how safe that dividend is. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if things continue on a, a tough path for the oil industry to see that dividend uh, cut Right by the end of this year. Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens to that. But I, I agree. That I, I got to be very careful, and I think it could be even maybe you'll miss it. But again, I think too early to even jump into Chevron, which we like. Yeah, so. and and the other thing too is the reason I, I talk about liking Chevron. I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, 
But if you look at the break-even for them in terms of oil prices, Chevron has just built a much better business in terms of break-even oil versus the other oil competitors. And, and that's one reason I, I do like Chevron more than the other oil players. Right, right. So, all right, phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866 577 Two four seven three and and uh, I I do see that uh, and Brennan put on here also on Facebook John Chulavisa is wanting to and I can't can you see the whole thing Yeah I think he wants to know about Exxon and Chevron so I think we got that covered and, Okay because I, I see John commented on on Facebook there Okay good Okay so we we covered he that says point. thanks guys so Oh good, good okay so good job. <laughs> and, and 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 Chase why is Brennan in the dark there Has he had a bad night last night or something <laughs> And trying to cool off. Yeah, there he goes. He's <laughs> turning the lights on. Okay, now we can see what he's doing. <laughs> All right. All right, let's head up to Escondido and speak with Paul. Paul, you're on the Smart Vegetable Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Yeah, interested in uh, comments on Walmart. Okay, do you hold that or looking to buy it? Oh, I'd be looking to buy it. Okay. Let's say it's a Walmart. They're similar to WMT. Uh, not a great start here. The PE ratio is 21.6 versus 23. Price of sales, 0.71 versus 0.53. Price of tangible book value, 8.4 versus 9.6. And we do see price of cash flow is 13.1 versus 9.8. So the valuation ratios aren't bad, but they're not really great either. Uh, we do say they pay a, a dividend of 1.6%, and surprisingly, they use 33% of their earnings to pay that out, which to me seems a, a lot of their earnings to pay for such a, not a great dividend. We do see sales were up 4.6% year over year, industry up 4.9. Earnings per share for Walmart climbed by 36.5, industry up 15.9. Balance sheet looks good for Walmart. 0.8 is the current ratio, just under the industry at 0.9. Debt to equity is 69 versus 91. Return to equity is 25 versus 21. That's a positive. And net profit margin is 3.3, which is above the industry at 2.3. And receivable turnover is 103 versus 53, and inventory turnover 9.6 versus 10.3. Chase, what do you got for the earnings going forward? Yeah, so looking at the current price here for Walmart, $135.29. If I look at that 52-week range again for the company, I see the, the range is $102 to $151.33. Now, unfortunately, I, I look forward on those analyst estimates to December 2021. I see a 34 analyst, the average estimate, $5.60. So using our 16.2 multiple on that, we'd get a target sell price at $90.72. And, you know, I know Walmart has done a lot of great things here, and I think they've kind of been bid up in terms of their valuations. I mean, we liked them years ago in terms of the prices they were right. trading at, but I think they've gotten, I want to say a little bit too much credit in the stock market for what they're doing against mm -hmm. Amazon. And they just look a little expensive. And it was five sixty. Was the target sell price at again? Ninety seventy two. Oh yeah. So so it's way above that. And and again, I I, I like you. I like what Walmart's doing. I, I I like the fact that they are kind of like giving Amazon some competition. They're in the food market. They're doing a lot of great things. But this is where an investor has to be careful. Are you buying at the top because of the fact that you are paying at the higher price for it? You're not getting anything on sale. So I like the company. I like what they're doing, Paul. But I just don't think it's a, a great time to buy it. They're just too expensive. And they do have that thing perhaps going on with TikTok as well. Yeah. And I, I mean, I do also see a lot of expenses with the company. I mean, you, you talk about the, the shipping. You talk about the, the technology they're getting involved with. Also, not to mention, the thing that used to be the hot topic years ago 
was the minimum wage. Yeah. And that that's still out there. Yeah, it and is, if right. minimum wage continues to increase, that's going to impact a lot of Walmart workers, which is you know good for them. They'll make more money. But right. the problem is that's going to cost Walmart and its shareholders because it's going to be more expensive to pay out. Yeah. So just some risks that I think people aren't looking at with Walmart. I think they're kind of pricing in, oh, they're going to take on Amazon. It's going to be great. And they should trade at the same levels as Amazon. And it's like, right. no, no, no. <laughs> Both of those are getting too expensive. And I don't know what they're going to do with TikTok. So I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't get that. I don't get it either. It's supposed to be something with merchandising. and yeah. um, But I guess TikTok said that they already kind of work with Walmart on some of that stuff. I, I'm not quite yeah. sure. I, I don't understand the TikTok thing. And I'm a millennial and I, I don't get it. So. I, I don't get why somebody goes and watch a little video for like 30 seconds. Maybe, yeah. maybe I'm a boring guy. I like to read a report. Yeah. Know, so. And so we lost Paul. Oh, we lost there. Paul. Okay. Well, Paul, I was just going to ask you if that answered your yeah. question. Yeah, so. But I was going to say too, it's kind of funny with TikTok you bring up, uh, kind of off topic, but you look at, oh, it's just a short little video. I mean, I remember years ago, there was this thing called Vine. Right. And it was the same thing. It was a short little video. And that's the thing. Things can come in and be hot for a little bit and then not hot two years later. So <laughs> I, I'm just very cautious. And, you know, I know Microsoft was kind of bidding for it. And Microsoft stock has been beaten up lately with a lot of the big tech. But I think it would have been a mistake for Microsoft to buy TikTok. I, I just don't know what they would have done with it. Personally, I, I see TikTok as more of a fad. I, I, I don't know right. if it's going to be the next Facebook and Instagram type platform. And what prevents Instagram and, and uh, these others from coming up with the same thing? I mean, I don't see, and again, I don't watch TikTok every day. I've seen what it is and so forth. What prevents a competitor from coming out with the same type of, of videos? And, and and I know I've seen other people do it. I think uh, Snap, was Snap? The, 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 Snap was the other one, yeah. The other one, yeah. What happened to them, by the way? <laughs> I don't. They're still out there. <laughs> not, I don't hear about them in the news anymore at all. I mean, and I can't even remember their name. But but I think they were kind of one that was also trying to come up with different videos. So what is the difference between a Snap and, and a TikTok? I, I I don't get it. Maybe maybe we got some eighteen or sixteen year old out there who's going to call the show and tell us because I don't get it. I don't even have a TikTok. You don't have a TikTok? No, I I, I don't know. I, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, 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 and you're like late 20s, so you maybe, see, now you're getting the older generation. Yeah. I'm that old guy over there. <laughs> well, you know? well, Brendan's young. Well, Brendan, what are you going to, I think he wants to say. I'm, I'm 25, so I know about TikTok and all that stuff. But uh, my question, very quickly, did my, Microsoft actually say that they were not interested anymore? Because last time I heard, it was just Walmart and Microsoft. They were going to team up together. To buy uh, actually, that was like back in Thursday, so a yeah. lot can change. But yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got to keep up with them in there, Brendan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because what, what happened was the uh, Microsoft didn't say they weren't interested. Uh, TikTok chose Oracle as their yeah. partner rather than Microsoft. Yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah. I think so, it was a blessing in disguise for Microsoft. So, I think it was as, as well. And and uh, because of the, the price tag, have they come out with a price tag? I mean. Well, I, that's the thing. They uh, It's a different type of bid. It, it's rather than buying TikTok, it's more of a partnership with them. Right. Uh, so, it's. Not and, the same thing, and I and I don't think the the president wants that. I think he. he we'll find it, out more tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow's the, the the deadline, and and the thing that he's concerned about, and the government's concerned about, is that you know this information is going to the Chinese government, which is people remember they're a communist country. They're not like us. Um, and again, I was watching on CNBC the other day, uh, and, and this uh, reporter was actually in. China and Beijing, and she was talking about the the censorship that they have over there, and we can't have that here. I mean, you cannot say or write anything wrong uh, about their president, and she showed that she did it, and then you look 
and it's gone um, because they censor everything over there. Not everything, but a lot, a lot of things. They yeah. Now, I, I, I'm going to disagree a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. I, I completely agree on the China thing. Right. Um, but I, I'm not sure if we need to fully acquire TikTok. Um, I, and I, to be honest, I don't think that's fair. I, I think that's going right. to cause some big problems is, yeah, no, you have to sell us the TikTok business. Right. Well, okay, so let's say it had a $30 billion valuation, but now it's like, well, we're the only people that can buy. That's going to be a $10 billion valuation. That's not really a free market to me. Yeah. Uh, the thing that I'm very interested to see, because I completely agree with the risks. I, I, I'm on board with that. I'm very interested what Oracle looks like, what they're, they're saying. Right. I mean, if they come out, I mean, they are a U.S. company. I'm very curious if they can control some of the, the data that's getting over there. If they can get in on the back end and really see where the data is going, and I'm not a tech guy, so I'm not sure right. how this would work. But if there is a partnership in there where it is a lot safer, I'm all right with that. But it has to have that control aspect of it. And we'll have to find out more about the the Oracle deal. And as you said, it's not a full out buy like uh, President Trump wanted, but we'll have to get more right. information before I really have a yeah. an opinion on what I think right. is right and wrong. And I was just going to say, too, is I don't understand the whole thing because there's a lot that I don't understand. I'd rather yeah. err on the side of caution because when I look down the road, I, I, I don't want, I mean, who knows what China's going to do? It, it's not going to be this war on the ground where it's just like you got these guys fighting with rifles and so forth. It's going to be some type of technology war. And are we giving China too much information, too much access to the American people where they can do some type of... Um, uh, Te- technological warfare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where yeah. all of a sudden they put something in. I mean, who knows? Oh, you can go and shut down our internet. Right. I mean, things could get pretty crazy. Yeah, they, they, they could. And that's why I'd rather err on the side of caution. The other thing I was thinking about too was, what is Oracle, because they're a software company. I mean, what, why are they, why would they want TikTok? They want to get in maybe that industry? Well, that, that's what it is. They're not buying TikTok. They're, they're investing a minority stake into it. Right. And then they're a software partner for TikTok. So they would essentially, I think, run the software here. And, and that's what I said. I, I don't know enough about the deal to really right. talk in full detail on it. But if they can have those controls on there, I'm okay with it. Right. But very, very big caveat, you have to have the controls on there. Otherwise, yeah. I don't want a partnership. You have to know where the data is going. Would the controls work is, I guess, my question. I, that, well, <laughs> yeah, that that's the thing. Yeah. We don't know enough we about know. technology. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's, that's why I'm going to trust the technology companies over here. And, and sometimes, unfortunately, I think some technology companies sell out, but I, I, I have faith in Oracle. I, I don't know right. why. I, I just, I'm going to say I do. I, I need yeah. to do a little bit more research on yeah, it. They, yeah. We're, we're just kind of talking questions and, and having people kind of think of the same things, uh, kind of think about what is actually going on. Uh, I, by the, well, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I mean, speaking of technology, we did get a question on uh, Facebook oh. from uh, Robert Fuchs, uh, wondering if we could look at Intel. He owns it and uh, looking to add more uh, right. to Intel. So, okay. you know, I, I, I like Intel here and we'll, we'll take a, a closer look at it and kind of fits right in with our technology yeah. discussion. And before I do that, let me give out the phone numbers again, because we got in that conversation about TikTok. I forgot to give out the phone numbers, <laughs> but 866-577-2473. That's 866 866- Five seven seven two four seven three. Got a question on investing, uh, a stock equity you're looking at investing into, or maybe selling things to a high price. Give us a call again eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. Let's take a look at Intel here. I got to put it into my system. I'm, I'm kind of like twisted around here. I, I I think I didn't move this screen over far enough, which people can see on Facebook. I got the Facebook over here. It's like I'm just turning all different ways, and 
And uh, I just feel off today. I think it's because last week I was gone, so I got to get back in the rhythm. Well, what is my excuse? I don't know. And, and now get an internal error occurred. Please try again. Uh, we might okay. have to go back to Yahoo Finance. Yeah, I might have to do that then. Oh, gosh darn it, that was so disappointing. Um, return to previous page. Let me see what happens here. And it's working so good. Let me try one more time. Well, maybe can we reverse it? Yeah, and I'll yeah, kind of yeah, yeah, give let the me hit uh, enter. Yeah, because it yeah, came well, up in we'll yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about the, the going forward. Yeah, so we're looking at uh, Intel again. Ticker symbol is INTC. Uh, 52 week range for the company $43.63. 52 week high $69.29. And, you know, after the last quarterly report, they had some issues over their, their manufacturing process. Some people were very concerned over that. So the stock did dip quite severely. The current price on Intel still remains about $49.89. If we look forward for the company, we go out to December 2021, you see 39 different analysts. The average estimate, $4.71. Give us a nice target sell price of $76.30. So, I mean, that's a pretty big positive for the business. I mean, you look at the high and the low estimate, there is still a, a decent range there. Uh, high estimate, $5.39. Low estimates, $3.80. Uh, I do think that Intel does look like a pretty good valuation in, in terms of the forward estimates. Um, and I, I think that people kind of downplayed or overplayed the the problems that they saw in the last quarter. And I think the company can do quite well. But uh, looking kind of at the valuation, since uh, Brent's still playing over there with the uh, computer, uh, we'll, we'll look at some other numbers here. The trailing PE for the company is 9.28, which unfortunately don't have anything to compare that against. But I can tell you, at 9.28, that's a, a very good multiple. As I said, kind of with the target sell price, the forward PE at 10.48, that's very, very attractive. We look at buying things around 10 to 12 times future earnings, so excited about that. Another one we don't talk a whole lot about is the PEG ratio. Mm -hmm. What that is, is you take the PE and you divide it by the growth. So you're really looking at how much are you paying for the earnings growth of that company. I see a five-year expected PEG, 1.73. I mean, I, I'm pretty ecstatic with a 1.73 PEG. I mean, that's a very good valuation metric to see for the company. Yeah, you see a PEG below two or three is actually pretty a pretty good PEG. And and by the way, I forgot to mention that uh, Brendan came in here. You didn't see it. You couldn't see it on the radio. But he forgot to smile for the Facebook. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, Brennan, you got to smile next time. So, people. <laughs> so, but uh, unfortunately, I think Reuters still is, is having issues. I think they could be doing, sometimes they do maintenance on the weekends. Yeah. I think they're, they're doing that now. So, but. Um, One last thing on Intel that I do want to bring up you, you do get sure. a, a little dividend to their 2.6%. Um, and, you know, Intel, I think with their cash flow, I mean, they've done a lot of great things. And I think their CEO, Bob Swan, he's a CFO by, by nature. I think he really undersells the company a lot. I think so too, yeah. <laughs> and I think what happened is they they get it. It's a technology company. So people bid it up. Oh, so exciting, so exciting. And then he comes out, oh, yeah, we did okay. Right. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> and then the stock falls. And I think he's very realistic and he, he's not a, a salesperson. He, no. He's, and no. uh, I don't, I think he relies a lot on his technological team. He's not like, you know, the Microsoft CEO. He's not a, an engineer by nature. He's a CFO. Um, but I, I think he's done some good things with the company. He, he's done some good things. I, I, I do wonder if his his time is, is numbered or his days are numbered because I, I, I don't think he turns around. And again, I hate to do this because Brennan's going to get mad at us. But again, let's talk about Elon Musk. Because <laughs> yeah, uh, Bob Swan is the opposite. Elon Musk, like, yeah, this is great, this is great, we're gonna do this and that and so forth. Bob Swan, well, yeah, yeah we we will see. I mean, it, he's a complete polar opposite of an Elon Musk, and 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 sometimes you need a little bit of Elon Musk to have people feel great about the business they're investing in. 
I will say it has been interesting with Intel, and I, I don't play the trends. I don't right. I don't play like what happened in the past, things like that. But it seems like with Bob Swan, he comes out and he'll he'll say like the same not the mm-hmm. same thing every quarter, but he's very like calm in his you know Q and A session, and it always seems like they'll have like two good quarters, and then they have one bad quarter. And then things kind of, they have this big sell-off. And this happened, I think, about a year and a half, two years ago. And they have this big sell-off. And then all of a sudden, they start to get bid back up. And then all of a sudden, everybody baked in all this negative news. And Bob Swan comes out and says, yeah, it is like I said it was going to be. And, oh, my gosh, the <laughs> stock goes up 20%. <laughs> and it, it just, it's a very interesting stock to watch. And the reason I like it is it is a a good company. Right. They have good cash flow. It's very well run. Uh, it's a good name. They don't have a lot of debt. I, I think it's good business. Yeah, and and, and also too, we have talked uh, talked about how much of the assets they own. I think they're fifty some billion compared to a uh, AMD at like less than one billion. I mean, there's a lot of great things to this strong business. You're not going to see it double in a year or two. Uh, but if you want to own a good technology company, and also too, when you look at their past, which I, I well, I think you you couldn't because they're not brought us up. Yeah. Um, their past earnings and sales were phenomenal, yeah. and they're doing very great with their what is it? Their ten nanometer, ten uh, nanometer chip, chip. Yeah. yeah, so they're doing great with that. So just because they're not in the cutting edge doesn't mean they're not making money, and they will come out with what the seven nanometer chip. But it's just like it's taking them time, and sometimes with bigger companies, it takes a little bit of time, but you get that comfort. And by the way. I got to mention too, and you said, yeah, the small dividend of 2.6%. Well, think about that. The 10-year treasury is at what, 0.7? You go to the bank, you get in the bank, what, (laughs) 0.1? So a 2.6% dividend, that's pretty darn attractive in today's interest rate environment. Yeah. No, I I said small dividend just because sometimes now you get dividends at like 8%. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and it is small compared to some other dividends, but compared to the uh, interest in the, the, the dividend market. It's a pretty d- decent dividend, almost 3%. So uh, we did get it on Facebook, uh, Joe and Poway. G, it's G and Poway. Oh, G and Poway, okay. It's, it's kind of blocked right, in. Well, yeah, yeah, right, right the line. Sorry, G. <laughs> look like Joe. But G and Poway uh, wants to know about CBS. Uh, so let's take a look at CBS. And again, unfortunately, we don't have Reuters. We'll do a little bit differently here. Uh, I'm kind of looking at Reuters. I mean, the, the, their, their market cap's about $76 billion for CBS, which, by the way, they did purchase uh, Aetna. And they've got some great things going on with, with, with um, uh, CVS. Their trailing PE is a 9.3. Their Ford PE is 7.7. Uh, Pegrush is 0.97. Uh, price to sales is 0.3, uh, which is very attractive. Uh, price to book value 1.1, also very good. Let me look at some other things here. We got a profit margin of 3.14. Uh, I like that. Uh, return on assets at 3.8, kind of low. I think they have a lot of assets. A return to equity is 12.7. I'd like to have a number around 15%, but 12.7 is not too bad. Uh, looking at some other factors here, uh, let me see. I'm kind of going down a list here of different things. The diluted earnings per share over the last 12 months was $6.29. They do have about $17.5 billion in cash on the balance sheet, and that is very good because uh, I think they bought Aetna, was it two years ago? I want to, gosh, hey. Time flies, so I, yeah, I, know. <laughs> I don't I have know. an exact date, but I think they they got integrated into the company yeah, one one or two years ago. Yep, yep. So, and their debt's about $92 billion. Uh, debt to equity is 134 So that would be one thing kind of worries me a little bit. It's a little bit, it's at my upper worry end, I'll call it. Uh, you'd want to look to see what they're doing to pay, pay that off. Uh, current ratio is one, which is pretty good. Uh, the cash flow, got operating cash flow of $16 billion. So that does kind of help with that debt situation. 
Uh, let me see other things I want to see here. Uh, I'm just kind of uh, jumping around since we don't have Reuters here on different things to kind of help you out. Their, their payout ratio on the dividends, 31.8%. Uh, the yield is 2.6%. Oh, such a small dividend. On Chevron, on CVS? Um, yeah, CVS Health Corporation. Yeah, that's what I got. That is weird. Sometimes, this is why I like Reuters better. Sometimes the Yahoo, because I see on the front page, the forward dividend and yield is 3.4%. Uh, you, you know what? Let me see what I was looking at there. Was that the trailing? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. You're right. That was a five-year average dividend yield. The Ford annual dividend yield, they, they kind of make it kind of tricky here, saying that the Ford annual dividend yield uh, is 3.4%. So, so you're right. So, And actually, that's nice because the dividend has gone up, I think, because the stock price has sold. What, what do yeah. you got over there? Yeah, I mean, I, I got some interesting numbers here for CVS. I, I love the dividend at 3.4%. I, I think that's, that's a very intriguing uh, number there. Also, the 52-week range, uh, G kind of mentioned it is near the 52-week low, which is true. The 52-week low is $52.04. 52-week high is $77.03. And again, that current price, $59.57. You look forward on the company. I mean, this is, wow, very, very enticing. You go out to December 2021, the average estimate of 27 analysts, $7.53, gives you a very intriguing target sell price of $121.99. Wow. I mean, that's... 100% return. I mean, yeah, that's pretty yeah, good. Can't be that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so the valuations on CVS are very strong. I I like the health insurance. I've talked about this before. Where I, I'm going to bet on America. I I right. don't think we're going to go to a Medicare for all where you know we're not going to need health insurance any longer. I just I don't see how we get there. Right. And it's not going to be a good solution in terms of you know the doctors and you know just level of health care. And I just, I, I think that health insurers will still be around for many, many, many years, which, you know, I think is one concern that people have with CVS and Aetna is like, oh, it's going to hurt them. And, you know, I'm going to say the the presidency here, if Joe Biden gets in, I think CVS could take a, a little hit, a further hit yeah. uh, come November. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right in that. And, and uh, Brendan on the ball, as always, he said that uh, CVS bought Aetna November 28, 2018. So we were right about a couple of years ago. Uh, and I think you're right. If Biden does uh, get in, uh, I think the healthcare companies could have a problem, but also too, uh, I, we learned this past week, uh, I'm, I'm not sure when it started, but actually CVS pharmacies are now uh, opening up and, and targets and target. There's a lot of traffic coming through there. And we talk about convenience, um, how great that is that you have the convenience of going to target, doing your shopping and all oh, pick up my prescriptions there as well, which would benefit CVS. So yeah, and I, I, I think it's going to be interesting. So, I mean, G kind of a, a long way about it, but I, I think it is a uh, interesting company. Uh, I think it would require a little bit more research on it, but I, I think the, the possibility to invest in it is, is definitely there. Okay. Now, now I'm kind of confused because I, I, I see on the screen, Joe from National C, not G, but Joe, he's typing. Okay, so he's still no, typing. No, I, I, I got it because I got <clears> Facebook pulled oh, up got Facebook too. Pulled so okay, I, so I, I kind of see when he puts it in there. So Joe in National City does want to look at uh, what do we think of NVIDIA acquiring ARM? as a competitor with Intel. You know, I, I, I know somewhat about NVIDIA. Uh, I don't know anything about ARM. Do you know anything about ARM? No, actually there's a great article in the uh, Barron's <laughs> publication that I, I was going to read this morning, but I oh, okay. uh, ran out of time. Let's put on hold for five minutes. We'll read yeah. the article. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we'll get back to you. So, you know what, Joe, uh, I, I want to kind of have a little bit more information for you is if you could maybe message us again, we're, we're going to try and start doing the, the Facebook live on a regular basis. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll try and take a closer look at that next week. Yeah, and, and, and we can talk a little about NVIDIA. I mean, NVIDIA, uh, a great company. And I do remember a couple years ago, because NVIDIA made a lot of money off of the gaming. 
And they were talking about in the future, which the future is, I think, getting very close to where gaming is not going to be so much through gaming systems, but it's all going to be streaming. And this was going to give NVIDIA a difficult time because you don't need these chips for what they're doing. And I haven't seen that take place yet. Could it be next year? But I think it is coming. Yeah, no, I, I think so, too. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm not sure. I want to look closer at the ARM deal again to see what they're doing. But uh, we'll, we'll have to see. I, I do want to take a closer look at that next week because we also do have a, another question from Andy uh, that I think will be a, a good way to close out the, the show here. Sure. Uh, Andy wants to know a big Big picture question, in your opinion, is it possible to witness a 40,000 Dow Jones Industrial Average in these next four years? I, I'm going to say yes. Um, I, I'm not going to give any political opinions. I think it does really help if one gets in office over the other. Um, but you think about 40,000, it sounds like, oh my gosh, that's such a big number. But in reality, we're what, around a 28,000 Dow? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm gonna make it easy. Call it about a thirty thousand down. So you so you're looking at what about a forty percent return? That's about ten percent per year. Yeah. I mean, I I, I I think it's very possible. I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say it's not gonna happen in four years. I'm what? gonna go five to six. You're fired. Years. <laughs> <laughs> and and the reason is. I don't like that they put Salesforce in there. I think that was a, a silly move. Uh, it yeah. depends what other moves are going to make in it. You have to remember, it's going to be the components that are in there. That's yeah. what's going to derive the returns on the Dow and how it grows. I completely agree on the compounding. And, you know, we're not going from 10000 to 40000 right. That'd be ludicrous. <clears throat> we're going from about 30000 to 40000 which is manageable. Okay. Based on that comment, you're rehired because, again, <laughs> you thought about, uh, I forgot Salesforce and the changes. And who knows what the changes are that they're going to make going forward yeah. because of the fact that that is so important. That's why we don't invest in the indexes. We do our own portfolio. We look at the businesses. But I totally forgot about Salesforce being in there. And I think they have one or two other high-risk ones uh, in there as well. Apple. Uh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and see, and again, you got you got to look at the index, what's in there. You're, you're right because if you got high-priced companies in there, that could be an issue. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, there's some good businesses in the Dow. Obviously, I mean, it's a, it's a big company, and you know, Chevron turns around that that could help build it. Mm -hmm. uh, the Travelers Corporation is actually quite a large component of it. United Health Group, again, you have some problems with, uh, you know, the uh, health insurance and stuff. Right. Joe Biden gets in, that could slow them down. You do have Visa, Microsoft, Walt Disney in there. I mean, those are all very high price weighted and it's right. price weighted index as well. So that could slow it down. I, I, I'm going to go out there and say, I'm worried about the, the indexes over the next mm -hmm. five years. I think you can still do well investing in stocks, the right stocks, but I, I think the indexes, I mean, I've seen people call it the lost decade over the right. next 10 years because things were so expensive. Yeah. And, and I know, and I can't say this for the, because of the SEC rules, but I know in the past there's been times that the indexes did very poorly and value, which we invest in in our portfolio did very well. Because exactly what you're talking about, the the indexes have some very pricey companies, and it, it could be an issue. So Dow forty thousand possible, but you're right. I mean, based on what's in there, you re you really have to go through and study. I guess a little bit. I'm gonna say possible, but not likely. There we go. I like that. All right. Well, there's our closing bell. Uh, thank you for listening, to Smart Investing Show. It is for information purposes only and should not be used as investment advice. If you would like to discuss in more detail your investment needs or have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 
646-436-4306 or visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And for more daily educational information on investment tips, go to our Facebook page, Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey. Today's show is sponsored in part by Thompson Reuters and closing song, My Way, is performed by local entertainer, Roman Palacios. Have a great day. We'll talk more next week right here on the Smart Investing Show. And may I say, not in a shop. This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management.